Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, hello, how are you? It's Daryl, and welcome to episode 39 of Cage Rage and Nicholas Cage Podcast. Um, I hope you've been well, hope you've had a good week. It's been snowing on and off here, but we're releasing this on the old Valentine's Day. It's a day of love and togetherness, and what better way to show your love than to spend it with a Nicholas Cage film. Um, now, as you've probably seen from the title, we are doing things a little bit differently this week. Now, usually we go through the chronology of Cage films. We go from the start to the finish one by one. But this week we are skipping ahead <laughs> 20 years to Willy's Wonderland. Um, now, it was going to be the case that I was going to come to Willy's Wonderland when it appeared on the podcast a little while from now. But to be honest, um, there was just so much buzz, so much hype around the film. Um, everyone was so excited about it that it would have been just a, uh, a an error on my part, I think, to ignore it and to try and fight against the tide here. And new cage in 2021, never a bad thing. So I was able to get an advanced copy of the film uh, ahead of the podcast episode today. So big shout out to the wonderful folk over at Signature Entertainment who were able to hook your boy up for such wonderful things. And on the podcast I was joined by Harry Stang, a really great film reviewer from Australia, who joined me to talk all things Willy's Wonderland. I mentioned it towards the end of the episode, but again, can't be understated that he took a real time zone hit for me. Um, there's an 11-hour time difference between the UK and Australia, so he joined me at 10pm uh, his time. It was 11am my time at time of recording, but I had a lot of fun talking about the film. Uh, so much fun watching it as well enjoy the film uh, it's currently out now there are so many ways to enjoy willie's wonderland if you're in the uk you can get it on amazon prime video for rent itunes and apple tv sky store google play microsoft store rakuten or rakuten tv however you pronounce that one talk talk tv chili and um one of the most interesting and fun ways to support the film as well is you can watch it through a virtual cinema so you can buy your ticket watch the film from the comfort of your own home and also support a local cinema in the uk in doing so as well uh, the link to that will be in the description below along with all the other links to the ways to watch willie's wonderland through the uh, signature entertainment link tree please go check it out obviously this film is um it's so much fun it's a, a good uh it's dumb it's over the top it's ridiculous it's <laughs> a dialogue less no word said at all nicholas cage beating up animatronics this film does exactly what it says on the tin uh, a lot of it is reminiscent to me of like the Evil Dead 2 in certain ways um, but I think the horror community especially are going to really gravitate towards this one if you're looking for something deeper and meaningful then 
let me tell you this film it ain't that deep you're not going to find it here but i really i do genuinely think that this film is destined for um iconic cult status especially in the horror community so again loved watching this one in this episode obviously we talk all about cage we get into the nitty-gritty of willie's wonderland with a blow-by-blow play-by-play of the film uh, we talk about the animatronics and our favorites uh, also reveal as well also reveal the cast member who actually tweeted a massive spoiler about the film months ago but no one picked it up until your boy got on the case and if you enjoyed the film if you enjoyed this episode please do reach out and let me know i'm on all the usual social medias on twitter at cage underscore podcast we are closing in on 600 followers there it'd be great to have you on board and to chat about the film there over on instagram at cage rage pod and you can find this on all the usual streaming services uh, apple spotify google amazon stitcher deezer Podchaser. if you're listening to this on a platform in which you can leave a rating please do that'd be really appreciated and if you think there's anyone else out there who will enjoy the episode uh, please do consider passing it on to them as well always happy to have more all aboard the journey to true cage nirvana uh, but that is quite enough admin from me let's get into it it's willie's wonderland enjoy staff welcome to willie's wonderland spend the night cleaning willie's wonderland and i will pay to have your car fixed deal this place has a dark history i know the bullshit story they told you it's a lie you're here to be a human sacrifice have you been listening to a word i've been saying Enjoy a man a few words. So we're doing things a little differently this week as we skip ahead to 2021 for the grand reopening of Willie's Wonderland. This week, Cage plays the janitor, a silent but tough drifter tricked into working at the condemned Willy's Wonderland. Soon enough, the night turns ugly as the animatronics come to life and are out for blood. But who is that really bad news for? Joining me on the journey to True Cage Nirvana this week to talk all things Willy's in wonderlandful detail, his film critic and all-round good egg, Harris Stang. Harris, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what, what a lovely little uh, introduction to, to yourself there. No one ever says hello. Um, you're already one of the nicest people I've ever had on. But as I always start these episodes, I um, always love to know, as this is a Cage-centric podcast, um, for you yourself, what are your what are your thoughts on Cage? Where do you stand on him? Uh, do you rate him, hate him? Um, what Where does Cage rank for you? Oh, I love the actor, man. I mean, every time I watch his work, regardless of what the quality is there's just something about him that's just fascinating like he doesn't aim for realism all that much but there's always <laughs> something about him where you just go 
yeah, I like watching this guy on screen. I don't necessarily believe in him, but I like, the, <laughs> like what he does on screen, you know? It's like, I like to see that in the cinema. <laughs> it's so far away from, like, real-life situations or even emotions that I just go, yes, this is a relief from what I have to put up with and see <laughs> in the real world. <laughs> so Cage, Cage can take you away from... Um all the trials and tribulations, um, yeah. definitely. That's what I say, though. It's like, um, it's this weird factor about him that you can't quite, that science cannot figure out. Um, you can't <laughs> you can't put your finger on it. It's like, there's something about him. If it's a good film, a bad film, a good performance, a bad performance, you still come away from the film, and it's just like, you remember Cage. He's the thing that you... Um, that you take away, like I've said it before, with even some of his absolute, um, I think what would be classified as the cagiest of films, which obviously we'll touch on what is Wonderland, uh, but with stuff like The Wicker Man and Deadfall and Vampire's Kiss, especially, even though they're not um, the greatest films of all time, although that's in a weird way, they are also the greatest films of all time. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you you remember his performance afterwards. Um, are there, are there any sort of performances that sort of stick out to you as like, God damn, Cage, you deserve it. You deserve the world. <laughs> well, the first movie I remember watching that that got to me was the Face Off. Oh, yeah. And I, was, I thought, oh, this is an action movie. I thought, like, you know, you got... Because I grew up watching those American movies, American action movies with, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Stallone, you know, those typical proto-built, you know, action hero presence. And then you got Nicolas Cage in it and, <laughs> and Don Travolta, you know, the Saturday Night Live guy and the <laughs> Raising Arizona guy playing action heroes or, and villains in a John Woo movie. And I thought, this is amazing. Where, 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 where was this type of acting in the other action movies I watched when I was a kid? You know, <laughs> where did this come from? This is amazing. And then, like, just completely nuts in the acting department I was like my god man I want to see more of this <laughs> movie more often <laughs> oh definitely man I think mm. he definitely brought forward like um, the everyman hero um, well, obviously we're so used to like uh, Schwarzenegger and Stallone and, um, and, and the Lundgrens at that point um I think he could have carved out a career, like a nice, safe career as an action hero. But yeah. um, I always find it so interesting. And this sort of leads into, um, I think, Cage's career that he could have been an action hero, could have made a career as an action star. But then the next film he does is City of Angels, um, yeah. where, where he's just peeping on Meg Ryan and just um, making love in front of fireplaces. Going, oh, it's warm. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> uh, I think it's just like you just don't know what he's going to do next, um, and I think a lot of time he does get compared to like Bruce Willis as well, who's sort of stuck on that path. And I think unfairly they're compared because Bruce Willis is doing adverts for car batteries, and um, oh yeah, that yeah. <laughs> everyone's like, oh my god, like new Die Hard, new Die Hard. And it's just like um, ah, mechanic. Um, it's like okay, cool. Um, 
That's it. Obviously, for the for the listeners, Harris did a slow head shake there with his eyes closed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Cage is still doing interesting things. He's doing a lot of these indie movies now, um, having a lot of fun with horror. Um, I think, you know, for Cage, this is what I mean. He's still interesting 40 years in. He's still doing interesting things. And um, where did... How do you sort of find his his career in this sort of later stage? He's in his late fifties, fortieth year of his career, uh, still surprising us. How do how do you sort of like? What's your take on that? I think that people like filmmakers, like especially young filmmakers, they're more aware of what Cage is now, and instead of like Cage um, working down to the skills of the filmmaker, or like the skills of the filmmaker are working up to the capabilities of Cage. If that makes sense, yeah. But and also, Cage has never lost the fact that he he does the films for himself, even though it's obvious that you know he's doing many films because he has to pay his tax, <laughs> he has to pay his tax, not tax debt. But you know, some of the times, like he's clearly doing these films for himself. Like Willie's Wonderland, kind of feels like a movie that he he did for himself. Like he 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 saw the premise and he thought, oh, this is fun. You know, <laughs> He's, and he's and it helps that he's the producer is a producer of the film as well and yeah. from his studio so he's clearly you know backed it up because he loved the script like he clearly <laughs> likes the premise of the idea definitely I, I saw I was uh, grabbing some bits and pieces of information just for our chat today and I think there was an interview that they did ahead of some of the um, press packs that went out and he, yeah. he said of the film um I thought it was original and absurd, and I like things that are absurd. I found it hilarious and potentially terrifying. Um, and the greatest bit is this sentence here. I don't get the opportunities to act with giants, stuffed ostriches, alligators, turtles, or weasels. I thought that would be a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's from, the, that's from the press notes. I read that this morning as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think if I was in Cage's position, I suppose 40, 40 years into the career, I'm nearing my 60s, I've already got awards under my belt. I'm already historically the most successful actor of the Blockbuster Entertainment Awards. R.I.P. the Blockbuster Entertainment Awards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why wouldn't I act with a giant stuffed turtle at this point in my career? I think anyone would do the same. <laughs> um, I think from what I said, it looks like some of the appeal was um, the chance to play a silent character. And he was a fan of silent horror movies as well. So uh, the script appeal to him um i always love reading the reasons why cage goes for certain scripts um i think i remember reading for drive angry he went he went for that because on the basis that his character got his eyes shot out and that was what sealed the deal for him um and they said like uss indianapolis men of courage because you always wanted to make a film at sea um which i kind of think that he's Sometimes you think he's just got a dartboard with just like location character, um, and he just throws <laughs> it and he's like, "That's the film I want to make next." I love. I say this, I love Nicholas Cage, and I don't mean this as like a diss in any way, shape, or form. Um, but there's also something about the films he makes. It's like, I think the term I've used to describe it before is the uh, the Family Guy random scenario generator is kind of what his films can be. <laughs> Because you say it's Nicolas Cage as a blank, in a blank, during blank, 
And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, um, you could just describe that premise to anyone, but because you've said it's Nicolas Cage, they'll be like, oh, well, of course Nicolas Cage is doing that film. Of course it's a Nicolas Cage film. But I feel like really? if you did that with any other actor, if you said like, oh, Liam Neeson stars as the janitor in Willy's Wonderland, they're like, oh, cool, Liam Neeson or Keanu Reeves. Like, oh, cool, Keanu Reeves. Um, but he gets he gets this reaction, I think, um, a little unfairly by, I think, people who don't quite understand him or they've only seen the video Nicolas Cage losing his shit on YouTube. Um, yeah, the memes, yeah. <laughs> just a compilation of his greatest screams. But I always say, you know, he's got He's got the untouchable back catalogue of films. As you said, he's got Raising Arizona, Leaving Las Vegas, of course, Adaptation. Mm. Um, but because he did, but because, as you said, for tax reasons, he did so many straight-to-video uh, films. I think that kind of um, damaged him a bit in the public yeah. eye. Um, but I suppose, it, as you said at the start, you're a fan of Cage. If someone sort of says to you, like, oh, Nicolas Cage, you know, what's your, what, what's your kind of response to that? I'm always interested for the, the defenders of Cage. What we do out here to try and defend him? Defending Cage—that's that's not something I often do. Like I understand why people don't like Cage because you know people are interested in acting in ways that I guess reflect real life, like realism or something that's like emotionally honest. Whereas Cage is. He can do those things. He has done those <laughs> things. He has done them. You know, there's proof of that. I mean, leaving Las Vegas is proof of that. But Cage is like, he wants to break boundaries of acting. He wants to do something different. Hell, he even came up with that own acting method that he came up with. What's it called? Nouveau Shamanic? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. He yes. came up with his own acting method that involved like you know south african masks or something <laughs> he clearly wants to like get out of the boundaries of acting even early in his career you know like in moonstruck for example was like oh it's a romantic comedy but what the hell i'll get acting inspirations from bloody silent movies in the 1920s and just put it in the movie because it fits <laughs> like according to him it fits it's like I'll just do it because you know it works for me I'm sure it works somehow for you know other people in the world <laughs> yeah, it, it clearly has at some point <laughs> it's it's hard it's hard to defend him but I, I don't think he needs to defend him you know like there's no real reason why he needs to be defended i mean he he just is you know <laughs> he's like the immovable object that can't be you know taken away or degraded other than the fact that he's just nicholas cage <laughs> yeah i mean the irresistible force plus immovable object equals nicholas cage <laughs> <laughs> and that's just maths you know it, I'm I'm not the greatest mathematician in the world, but I know a, a two plus two sum <laughs> when I see it. Um, that leads in like the other thing I always say on this podcast is like uh, death taxes and Nick Cage, and in the end, one of them will get you. Um, <laughs> and I'm choosing for it to be <laughs> for it to be Nicolas Cage in my life. Um, so with that said, obviously we're we're here to talk about Willy's Wonderland. Um, 
at the time of recording. Uh, this dropped yesterday, February 12th. Um, now, uh, it's out there to the world on video on demand, um, wherever you get video on demand in your area of the world. Um, so, I, go, I mean, going into this, I think when I saw the the premise, as we sort of touched on here, it's like Nicolas Cage beating up animatronics. Um, for me, because I'm incredibly biased and maybe ill, I was like, I'm in. <laughs> as in, this, <laughs> you don't, you don't, you've already sold it to me. This is fine. I'm here for this. But, um, but obviously, broadly on the film, it's like, that is also, for better or worse, that is what the film is. It's it's Nicolas Cage uh, just beating down puppets, animatronics, hitting them with sticks, um, snapping necks and cashing checks. Um, <laughs> so I, I can't help but think, like, if you want... Um, and, I, and I sort of realised the absurdity of this based on the premise. If you're looking for a deeper film um, ahead of Valentine's Day, uh, you're not you're, pro- you're probably not not going to get it uh. with this one, um, but I, I suppose you know as as you started this film, um, were you kind of expecting this to be any different, or as the film played out, did you sort of did you get the film you thought you were going to get going in? Oh, it's it's exactly what it says on the tin. I mean, it, <laughs> it is what it is what it is. It's exactly what you're getting. You, you get what you paid for. You know. <laughs> Like you got you got Nicolas Cage like driving a sports car, he's he's like you know just revving it up, doing everything you know, and you got him beat like you said beating up animatronics. You got all the blood and you got all the blood and gore there. You got all the you know basically every creepy thing you can probably think of in a bloody theme park or not a theme park, but you know. It's just, <laughs> I'm just thinking about it, makes me laugh. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it is. This is what I mean. That it is a funny premise, and like you can't, you can't take it seriously because I've um, now at the time of recording, I've watched it twice. I watched it last week with the screen. I watched it again uh, with my partner last night just to get like a a different perspective. On it, um, I mean, and for me, the film like it, it did hold up. Like it was still um, just as over the top and dumb and ridiculous the second time round. But it didn't take anything away from me uh, of that for me. I re- I enjoyed it, and I the first time I was just smiling the whole way through because I was like, "This is ridiculous," and I love it. Um, and I, and I don't know if that was like a similar sort of take like you had uh, just going through as well. Well, it isn't. It isn't like a low budget film. It's not a big budget. Like, let's let's just face the facts here. It's not a big budget movie. And you know, <laughs> some of the some of the budget flaws are pretty obvious. I mean, there's a scene where the teenagers are standing on top of the roof of the building, and it's clear, very <laughs> obvious. So, oh yeah, we're in green screen now, like straight away. Yeah. And you know, you know, with and of course the the film is self aware. It clearly is. It knows how silly it is, but it doesn't. Do it in like a scream sort of way. It, it plays it, it. It pretty much plays it completely straight. Like it's, yeah. it's straight. Yeah, it's straight face throughout. Like even Nicholas Cage, you know, like there is a moment in the film where Nicholas Cage, um, every time he does his job, he always has like a lunch break <laughs> or, 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 yeah. or, a, or a drink break. Sorry, he has a drink break. Yeah. 
and and like ninety percent of the time he's playing with a pinball machine. <laughs> yeah. And and he looks at this pinball machine as if he just looked at the car, the the Shelby GT five hundred in Gone in sixty seconds. Like he's in love with this pinball machine. <laughs> and and the more he plays with it, the more like amorous he gets to, to the point where he actually starts dancing and there's a dance routine in the film that he does. And, <laughs> he's doing like his hands drumming or something. He's doing spinning around. So, <laughs> like the movie does like the movie is is funny. It's definitely aware of what ridiculous premise that it has. And um yeah it doesn't like you said it doesn't go any deeper than that. Um, it is very old-fashioned in how it approaches horror. Like, for example, the teenagers are exactly what you expect when you get from, like, an old Friday the 13th movie. Like, there's there's the nice one, there's the horny one, there's the rebellious one, there's the one that likes the the main lead, and, you know, there's, nothing's changed. It's, it's <laughs> almost... It's, it, well, you can almost see it as, like, like satire in a way. Almost. You almost see a satire in a way. It's like, oh, yeah, we're going back to that road again. You know, back to the old school ways. Yeah. And um, it, is, it, is, it is quite entertaining. And um, later we'll talk about, like, the, the animatronics, like, which one's our favorite? Wait, which, which one's your favorite, by the way? Oh, good question. Um, and that was something I was going to ask you as well. Um, I know Geo Parsons, the writer, is very openly said Ozzy Ostrich was his favourite and he was sad <laughs> that the trailers basically spoiled Ozzy getting um, an absolute beatdown. Um, <laughs> I think, I feel like maybe it's an obvious choice. I think Tito the Turtle is my favourite just because he's um, clearly the more comical of the um, of the animatronics. Um <laughs> Obviously, I won't. I won't try and do like a horrible uh, sort of like Mexican accent. He's a Mexican turtle. He's wearing a sombrero, um, but he, <laughs> like a lot of the animatronics, they do get just beaten down. Um, so at the end, uh, Liv is being driven away by the deputy sheriff um, Evan. I think it's called. He's called. But Tito is on the top of the police car. He sort of pulls out Evan, kills him, and then uh, Liv, who's uh, the only capable teenager in the film um just is beating him with this shotgun because he's taking the shells out <laughs> and then he's just on the floor going like oh my balls my balls no more no more he's <laughs> he's tapped out he's done and then Liv just like walks back to willie's wonderland and then right at the end tito's just <laughs> staggering down the highway and gets run over <laughs> um, <laughs> and obviously what you said obviously you know this is this isn't a high budget film. When he gets hit by the car, it's quite obviously um, CG that's that's yeah. used there. Um, I think like for like a second, I was like, "Oh, CG," but then he sort of hits the floor. I was like, "It's the end of the film. It's fine. Don't worry about it." Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> we've got credits now. It's fine. Um, I I really enjoyed Tito. Um, I mean, that being said, it's not like the animatronics are all given their own backstories or anything. I think you get enough about them to make them different other than the uh, like the costume and some of the characterization. Um, and we'll obviously go through the animatronics, but uh, obviously to ping it back to you, Harris, your favorite animatronic? Oh, I, I liked Siren Sarah mainly because she's probably the scariest one out of all of them. Yes. Especially with the use of like strobe lighting, where... She's like, you know, inhumanely fast 
like all of a sudden flash the flash of lights and the light goes out and it flashes again and she's like already like like a foot away in front of you straight away like the speed that she goes yeah it's pretty scary there and um uh yeah the t- Tito the turtle was by I, I don't know why it reminded me of bumblebee man for some reason <laughs> it reminded me of that for some reason especially when it gets hit and it starts speaking <laughs> it's just funny and um <laughs> and yeah you're right Aussie the ostrich does get spoiled in the trailer that's basically the majority of what the ostrich does and the most, I guess, uh, the chameleon. It was a Cammy the chameleon, right? Yeah, yeah, Cammy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's the one um, that kind of surprised me in a way, because you, you expect Siren Sarah to be the one to trick or mislead the teenagers in, you know, yeah. being a siren and all, but it's the chameleon that does it. Like the one that's like, oh, I'm not one of the animatronics, you know, I'm the good one. I was, you know, taken in by the other group, you know, I, I didn't want to do all those bad things, you know? It's, yeah. It's like, tr- trust me, you know, I'm trying to help you. And all of a sudden, <laughs> that tongue, tongue, to the, tongue to the neck, freaking choke him out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think for, for a second, when sort of um, we get Cami, she's the. Uh, I guess like a chameleon sort of the shapeshifter trying to mm. um, I think it's Chris that she she kills she's like I'm not like the others they make fun of me because of my yeah. shiny skin uh, and then it's just kind of I think she says like I just want to be passed to the next life and I'm like <laughs> hmm okay I think she, um, I think Chris falls for it but then he gets a quick uh, tongue lash to the neck snapped neck yeah. Um, yeah. And that sort of leads into the fight scene of uh, Liv and Cage versus Cammy. Um, but with that said, with Siren, um, Sarah Siren as well, or Siren Sarah, I think it is. Uh, I think she's definitely the scariest animatronic. Um, she has the she has her own room, which isn't really explored because there's a few different rooms in Willy's Wonderland, and it's um, like the forest room. Um, but she moves very quickly. She like crawls backwards up the tree as well. And I thought, yeah. oh, okay. And it was when I saw that the first time, I was like, okay, so we're not just getting the um, sort of same copy and paste animatronic. They are going to do some things differently here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, when my partner was watching, she was like, that was the scariest one for me. It was between her and Cammy for her. She's like, mm-hmm. I think she was the only one that sort of physically changed as well because she had that, that jaw unlocking thing and like the sharp teeth and all like the oil gooping out yeah. of the mouth and as you said like the flashing lights where she was just like like a weeping angel in doctor who um was like just bouncing around on that trampoline trying to be like seductive as well um we get there's that flashback where i think it's uh sheriff lund who's explaining to the deputy like the the history of willie's wonderland yeah. um when she's saying the animatronic started acting up and doing things different and she says to that like fat little kid like hey kid wanna fuck <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like oh, all right siren sarah all right um well, I, th- I think my other my other favorite scene with siren sarah and this is after the cami fight um obviously cage has been locked in so we can't go out to the um the bins outside so he has to keep putting these animatronics in bin bags um so he's, <laughs> he's just trying to take it to the door and tito and sarah in the way and he just like 
headbutts Sarah. I think he just punches Sarah and punches past Tito as well. Like, uh, they're not even there. Yeah, that was kind of one of my favourite things. <laughs> yes, the hallway. The hallway and that was kind yeah. of one of my favourite things about the janitor. Um, it's like, he's there to do a job. Like, that's his motivation. He just wants to get his car fixed. And it's kind of like, he's not that bothered about the animatronics. It's like, this has no, happened to him. This happens all the time to him. Um, he's, <laughs> uh, he's a man on a mission. He's there to clean up as he's agreed to. He's a man of his word, or lack of words, as I should say. Um, <laughs> but, but it's like, he can obviously defend himself. But again, it's like, he's not <laughs> he's not really bothered about the animatronics. They're just kind of a minor inconvenience to his day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is what I like something about that it just was just really funny for me and I think my other favourite obviously other than the pinball bit which uh, we'll touch in in a moment um, mm. and going back to the Cammy fight um, obviously Cammy's just killed Chris like lives there and then like Cage turns up and like he puts his fists up like a video game fight character yeah. <laughs> like ready to start his turn and then his watch goes off to, for, to signal his break, and he just has to slowly put his hands down and just like, sorry, just gives the knife back to live and just leaves. <laughs> <laughs> Which was like that that moment, even though I knew it was coming, held up both times of viewing for me. And I think like and this is something my partner said as well. And like she like she's not the biggest Nick Cage fan in the world, but she's like you have to admit that even though he has no lines in this film, he's really showing like versatility because he's. Um, through grunts alone, um, and just like a nod signified by like the sound of leather creaking on his back when he's got his jacket on, um, mm. I like I still felt for me like we knew enough about the character that his lack of dialogue wasn't a disadvantage um, to him. I've like I've seen a few yeah. different takes of this online. Some people loved him being silent. Some people. Um, really didn't like it at all. Um, how how did you sort of feel about his character being silent and sort of character as a whole? I thought it was uh, interesting. Like, for example, like through his physicality, he shows a lot of pride. Like, he shows a lot of focus. I I like the part that where the only thing he's concerned of is his shirt, his work shirt. <laughs> like every every time it gets dirty, it's like. The, the only welfare that he's concerned of is the shirt. Yeah. <laughs> so whenever he beats an animatronic, it's like, oh, not again, change it again, another shirt on. And he has <laughs> like like five or six shirts throughout the film. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, he, like I said, he, he just takes pride in what he does. You know, he, he's de- like you said, he's there to do a job. And um, that's not to say that he doesn't have fun. I mean, the pinball machine scene is clearly, clearly <laughs> he has a lot of fun playing the pinball machine. And he, like I said, he dances, like he legit dances. <laughs> this it's... weird dance routine. I don't know what that means. Like, <laughs> like even, even the teenagers that are dying around him, it's like, you know, like I could deal with them. You couldn't, you know, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Until the end of the movie, where she's where he's like sees the um live, it's like, all right, get in, why not? Yeah, just get in the car, already. <laughs> it's like I'll take care of you, why not? <laughs> to the point he's... where he offers her the energy drink too. Yeah, 
Oh, if that's not the ultimate bonding moment, um, the sharing of the punch can <laughs> right at the end. What was the slogan on the drink again? I think it was like uh, the, the caffeine drink that punches you in the face or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 something like that. <laughs> um, like it's just called generic punch. There's a fist on it. Yeah, um, there's a yeah. fist on it, yeah. <laughs> it's like this little purple drink. Like the first thing he does, like obviously when he gets the gig, he puts the first shirt on, um, <laughs> and like you said, it's it's the inconvenience of having a shirt ripped, because like he's there on, a, on like a verbal contract, he's there to do the job, and he's like, he doesn't mind that after the fight with Gus Gorilla in the bathroom, like he's got maybe broken ribs, he's gaffer taped his ribs up, yeah. um, he's like that's fine, um, but he's got he's covered in like oil blood, and he's like, gotta change again. Um, I was keeping track of like the I, I kept a track in my notes so just called the punch count and by the end of the film he was on eight cans um, oh. <laughs> and in the burlap sack depending that the cans weren't crushed and destroyed after he was beating Willie with them um, he had at least four or five more he definitely took a 12 pack of, of punch with him um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's like something I didn't actually pick up on and what my partner did she was like, well, she said, well, he says it's like a caffeine drink on the punch can. So he, she was like, her own words, he's going to be buzzing off his tits, which is probably why he was dancing at the pinball machine. It's almost kind of like a, an unspoken romance with him and the pinball machine. The like, the, obviously, the three things he cares about is like, obviously, one, doing the job to get his Chevrolet repaired. Um, two, um, obviously, taking his breaks and having his punch. And three, it's the pinball machine which he finds in the kitchen takes the sheet off of it and it's all covered in dust it's all very dirty but immediately it's like the camera slows down he blows the dust off in slow motion um and then it's like well you know it's completely unexplained but this guy you know maybe he has a fondness for pinball machines maybe he loves a good old-fashioned arcade back in maybe the 80s or the 90s um but with every break that he takes He's cleaning it a bit more. He's cleaning it a bit more. He's beating the high score until we get him, as you said, just doing those like hand movements, just like voguing, like fist pumping, like Saturday night fevering, like rolling his arms um, back and forth. And I mean, sort of knowing Cage from the, at this point in the podcast, there's no doubt in my mind that no one choreographed that for him and he did that himself. He was yeah. probably just like, <laughs> he was probably just like, Roll the camera and I'll do the rest. Um, <laughs> which, which I don't know why. It's just this really victorious moment. Um, and he, like the Willie's Wonderland song from the soundtrack playing as well. Like very eighties, very like synthy, uh, pimple dinging. Um, and I, I was watching that and I was like, oh, man, I want whatever he's drinking. I want it and I want it now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I suppose it's kind of like the only, I, w I don't know if I'd even really say character development, but it's one of the few sort of other layers we get to the janitor because the janitor, you know, he's just this ass kicking machine who's there to do a job. You know, as much about him as the film shows you. Um, mm. but I suppose, you know, we're talking about the pinball machine, uh, obviously culminating in the dance piece and him getting that high score. Um, did you, did you, overall, did you like the, um, sort of basically the love story of man and machine there? Or the only machine that wasn't trying to kill him in the warehouse. Yeah, like, like I said, you know, if you you basically falls in love with it, in a way, like I said, like the car in Gone in sixty seconds, where 
It's just <laughs> this unspoken, almost almost unrequited until he gets to high school type of love. It's just there's, there's no words need to be said. I mean, literally, there's no, no words need to be said. <laughs> like this this cage relying on his own skill in what you said must be improvised dancing. Like I doubt that's choreographed at all. He probably just came up with it on the spot. Like, not even rehearsals, it just came up with it on the day. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, like, there's, he doesn't need to listen to the backstory of the whole, he doesn't, need, he doesn't even care about the reasoning why this monster stuff is happening. Like, he knows, <laughs> no. oh, there's, a, there's an inconvenience in his job and he kills him and then back to the job again. It doesn't matter. He doesn't care about the backstory. He doesn't care why the teenagers are there. He's, he's so disinterested in it. Pretty sure the filmmakers are pretty much disinterested in the backstory too because this it's it's so i don't want to say unoriginal but it's so well worn like it's so done like overdone well worn to the point where cage's dis cage's like you know aloofness and disinterested attitude towards all of it can only be a joke and like the right, and like the writer or the filmmaker's disinterest in that type of thing can only be a reflection of what Cage is acting out in the film. Like it's, it has to be a joke. I, I, I found it funny because it's, it's just so obvious in what it's trying to do. It's like all the characters; they're all doing these things that we've seen before, but it's done in such a way that it's just. It has to be a pastiche of some sort. It has to be like you know the Amy for like a a humorous approach but they're playing it completely straight that's the thing i yeah. think that's what throws people off a little bit because it may be a little bit too straight-faced yeah i can definitely definitely see that but i i totally agree obviously at this point the teens are in the building mm. um they're, they're trying to burn it down because of uh how Woody's wonderland has affected the town and mm. uh lives personal connection to Woody's wonderland as well um so Liv goes in, eventually the teenagers follow through the roof, like you said earlier, and she's ex- explaining, like, I think, you, obviously you get that very cheesy line, like, this town has a dark history. And, <laughs> and, and, and like, he's just there, just, like, slowly pushing, like, that um, cloth against the pinball machine. He's not even looking at them. Um, I think the only oh. time he tries to intervene is when um, Liv immediately goes to, like, stab Siren Sarah when they've, like, reset on the stage. And he just picks her up and carries her off and is like, stop it. Um, you're in the way. <laughs> you're in, you, it's like, you're being very inconvenient to what I need to do right now. I've got this. Takes the knife off her. Which is explaining the story. Like I said, he doesn't look at her. Doesn't look at any of the teenagers. Um, he doesn't really care about the story. I mean, I didn't mind that the backstory was in there. I suppose for the people who want the backstory of the animatronics, it's there. Um it was basically um I'm trying to think uh, the the original guy's name uh Jerry Wallace I think they said his name was the original owner of Willy's Wonderland oh, yeah. he was yeah. uh he was this like murderer this sicko as they describe him as he cultivated all these other sickos um basically for the purpose of uh taking families into the super happy fun room and then oh. killing them um <laughs> I, I mean they when they want to show violence, I know um, I've seen some reactions. They're saying the wish, 
there was a bit more sort of gore in there. Like, I think there's enough in there. I can see why you would want more. But they were showing, like, kids being killed and, like, chunks being bitten out of children. And I was kind of like, oh, okay, awesome. Like, we're going to see some kids die. I'm I'm down. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I just obviously don't kill kids. Um, But then they have this um, satanic suicide ritual to transfer their souls into the animatronics so that the... um, effectively SWAT couldn't get them. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they did the, they did the satanic uh, suicide ritual thing yeah, before. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, um, obviously, at the time of recording, there was um, a Twitter watch party for Willy's Wonderland last night with G.I. Parsons and the cast. They were all sort of live-tweeting about it. Um, and he tweeted that um, when Liv was explaining it, they said, like, they performed a a catra transfer and he said that was actually how vulcans transfer their consciousness um so there's a little star trek nod in there if you if you oh, want catra, you... yes i knew that term sounded familiar i knew i heard <laughs> it from somewhere i just couldn't remember where it was <laughs> <laughs> you betrayed your inner trekkie man you betrayed your inner trekkie no and i actually... don't watch star trek though that's the thing I, I, oh. I heard that term in Seinfeld, which was a reference to Star Trek. <laughs> so from there to there, not, not oh. Star Trek by association, not not Star Trek. I'm not. I don't watch Star Trek. I just watch Har- it. Harris very defensively putting it out there that he doesn't watch Star Trek. All right, buddy. Wink, wink. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, he also said as well, and actually, this is touching back on the um, the pinball thing about sort of the whole reason it was in there. He said that, um, I think he said this in interviews, like 15, 20 years ago, he actually met Nicolas Cage in an arcade and they ended up playing virtual tennis in 2001 at an arcade. Um, Gio said uh, he, he won this. So that whole pinball thing um, was like an, like a little homage to him and Cage's greeting like 20 years ago at an arcade. Um he did also add that Nicolas Cage did not remember this at all. So it was <laughs> it was more just for him as a writer than anything else. Um which which I thought was was great. Um but like I said, that they do the satanic ritual, and like I said, it's you know, we've seen it before. Um, you know, is it the most original idea in the world? Not necessarily. Um, but if you want the backstory, it's there. If you're disinterested, like Cage's character, the janitor, you can also take that approach as well. Um, because again, as I said at the sort of the top of the episode, this film is what it is. Um, it plays it straight. It doesn't try to be anything else. You know, you're not gonna come away from this with any deeper messages about uh, community and bonding and family and uh, <laughs> the morals of a good day's work. Um, which, like, you know. <laughs> Is I thought, you know, ultimately I thought it was, yeah, it was fine. Um, the backstory, fine. Um, but that obviously with Liv, that leads me on to the the teens as well. Um, obviously, as you said, there's a stereotypical seventies, um, eighties horror teen in there for every occasion. Um, the quiet one, the horny one, sort of the um, the final girl in Liv as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, ultimately, with the exception of Liv, um, and I think, again, as Geo Parsons has said, the teenagers are fodder. They are there for the yeah. purpose for the um, the animatronics to be showcased a bit more and to get some kills in. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose, ultimately, you know, it's 
quite paper thin with what the teens were there to do. I mean, how, how did their inclusion, you know, um, did that sort of work for you? Would you rather they not been there? You know, what was your sort of thoughts on them um, and their brief time in Willy's Wonderland? Well, to be fair, if it was just Cage, the way he is fighting animatronics for 90 minutes, I'm pretty sure the novelty would have worn out, like maybe at the halfway point. I mean, <laughs> because you know, you, the trailers make it clear that he's like the toughest guy mm-hmm. of all, you know? So, yeah, that, uh, since there will be no suspense at that point, you know, it will, the novelty the, of the one joke premise, it is a one joke. I mean, let's think about it. It is just Nicolas Cage running animatronics, it is that one thing. <laughs> but, you know, if it was just him for 90 minutes like that, I'm pretty sure it would have worn out like. 45 minutes so the inclusion of the teenagers uh, like the writer said i understand they're just cannon fodder they're just characters just waiting to be killed it is true but it does like it does remind me of like you know friday the 13th there's old old school teenagers that just don't really give a shit about (laughs) like 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 they know they're in a place of evil and he's like, oh yeah, let's just have sex in the fucking super happy fun room, whatever it's called. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm like, see, you know, normally when you watch a person that doesn't watch horror movies a lot, will watch and go, what the fuck are you doing? Are you yeah. crazy? Whereas like horror fans are like, oh yeah, typical. Of course they're going to do that. Why wouldn't they do that at this point? You know, <laughs> we're, already half, we're already halfway through the movie. You might as well just freaking do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's one of the few horror tropes like, we haven't had yet. So like, mm. obviously, um, you know, it's that thing. They do the one thing that you're not supposed to do in the horror film. You're not supposed to split up. And that's when they all start getting picked off. Um, also, we said Chris gets killed by Cammy. Um Dan gets um, torn apart in a ball pit by Tito and Saren, uh, Saren, Siren, Sarah. And then it's um, Kathy and Bob. They go into the super happy fun room. Um, Kathy's whole character is that she is the sort of airhead um, and she's with Bob. He's kind of the only teen who speaks a semblance of sense. And he's like, yeah. like he, I think two or three times before they fall through the roof, he's like, fuck this shit, I'm out. I'm not into this. But he keeps getting pulled back in. Um, <laughs> but, um, and then he they go into the super happy fun room and Kathy's like, like, is it wrong that I'm getting turned on right now? And then his line is like, oh, you're a freak freak. And then they, they get down to the business and are mm-hmm. ultimately... Um, ripped apart by Artie the alligator um the other like i i quite liked Artie as well because i thought he was another one who was um the scene with like Artie in the vent um when liv first goes in and he he's like appears behind her and he's chasing Mm -hmm. her in the vent i think that was another point with the animatronics was like oh okay we're gonna get a little bit more to these animatronics than Again, just your sort of copy and paste, rinse and repeat. You know, there's a there's a bit more um, flair to them. We're going to see something yeah. a bit more. Um, but then, um, obviously, he just rips into Bob's arm, um, tears them both apart. Um, on this point as well, um, obviously, I think when the film was being, um, not so much promoted, but coming more into the consciousness on social media, 
um Kathy Cowan who um plays um Kathy in the film or Kaylee Cowan sorry I should say who plays Kathy in the film yeah. um she, she actually tweeted a really big spoiler back in November on a Twitter oh, account really? that, um, that I don't I feel I might be the only person who's picked up on this um she and obviously this is sort of uh, during pandemic as well um she'd retweeted someone who just put these pictures of like the inside of kind of like an amusement place similar to Willy's Wonderland saying um oh I miss places like this she'd quote tweeted it and said um something to the lines of uh, this is giving me uh PTSD to the time I was killed by a demonic alligator um <laughs> <laughs> so uh, back in November, uh, three months ago, Kaylee Cowan tweeted a huge spoiler about her character in the film. Um, <laughs> as of this recording, that tweet is still there. Um, part of me was, there was like this freaking sinister part of me that wanted to tweet it. I was like, you think this is a joke? You think Cage films are a joke? <laughs> <laughs> and just like, just at her and call her out. But I'm like, no, nah, I'll, I'll, I'll save it for the podcast. Um, but it... It is there. the 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 full spoiler is there in broad daylight. Um, <laughs> as far as I'm aware, none of the other cast members have tweeted out any spoilers. But obviously, on the back of that, then finally, Cage kicks the door down, as he may have seen in one of the Willy's Wonderland gifts, and he just basically Mortal Combat kills Artie the Alligator, rips yes, his jaw yes. open. Yeah, yeah um, he just grabs his jaw and just stretches it wide open and he sticks his hand in and just pulls the body like I, I thought he pulled his tongue out and then everything that came along with it that's what it looked like to me but all the bloody metal all the oil just came out it's like you know Mortal Kombat fatality <laughs> I think like what I liked about that is um, I think not for the first time like lives behind him like ready to join in the fight and sort of take this back to the animatronics and she's just kind of there, like in a defensive uh, battle stance. And Cage, he's, he's like flipping out the alligator over his head, prizing his jaws open, like ripping the spine out like Mortal Kombat, like Predator. And the look on her face is like, the fuck is this guy? <laughs> who, is, who is he? Um, and again, it's just, just another day in the life for Cage. Because he, he does that with Ozzy, the um, ostrich at the start. So he's beating him down with the broomstick that he's the mop handle that he snapped over his knee, which yeah. I have it on good authority. Um, that's not easy to do. He's got a strong knee. Um, <laughs> so I thought he was just going to start collecting like robot spines at one point. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, but, I but it was like the only reason I thought he was going to start taking stuff because obviously at the start he goes over the um, like the speed trap, the spikes, which is where he gets picked up um, by Jed, the mechanic, and eventually put into... Willy's Wonderland, um, because between uh, between Jed, uh, Tex McAdoo, who owns Willy's Wonderland, um, like McAdoo, more like McAdone, again, quote out to my, shout out to my girlfriend who said, take that, I can't take that line, she'd be very angry if I try to take credit for that. Um, and the sheriff, Sheriff Lund, basically, they're all in on this, um, not a scam, but it's basically, they have a deal with Willy and the animatronics to sort of feed them, um, these nobodies that of society, the people that aren't going to be missed if they go missing, um, just so the um, the animatronics won't come out into the town. And um, as they sort of quite briefly touch on in sort of the backstory, like the the animatronics started killing people in the town, like the school as well. Um, 
and ultimately you would think there that okay that's when the SWAT come back in um like although I suppose if you make that police call uh, you're like um my neighbor's being torn apart by a turtle um we're gonna yeah, need no one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you make that call um you know I wouldn't want to be in that situation um I don't know if you if you're trying to explain that you know um, you, you know, you, your roommate, your work colleague's being torn apart by an ostrich, and they're like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> it's, like, what are you, it's like, "What are you at? Are you at the zoo? Where are the zookeepers?" No, it's like, "No, like, uh, it's like, okay, you're not going to believe me, but there's a satanic soul in this ostrich." And then the phone gets put down. <laughs> at one point, the 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 police sheriff is like, "Oh, this is a prank," like straight away. And then you and then you realize, yeah. oh, it's like, oh, she's in on it. Oh, okay, that makes perfect sense. Because the first <laughs> year, it's like, oh yeah, well, she's not going to believe it. Who's going to believe a story like that? <laughs> you know, it's like the the, yeah. the the guy in the arcade calls the sheriff. It's like, oh yeah, we're in Willy's Wonderland. Help us! We're getting killed by these puppets or something. It's like, nah, not going to believe it. And then it's like, oh, she's in on it the whole time. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, she mm. she puts the phone down on the on Chris and says it's a prank, even though she knows it's not. Um, so, so I think it was just more of like a performance for um, the deputy sheriff Evan. Yeah, who, as far as we're aware, you know, he has to throw some very brief backstory in for him just so we can sort of relate to him as well. Is like, well, um, by the way, he looks at camera. I have a wife and a child coming, so then therefore you can invest <laughs> in me. Uh, looks back to uh, Sheriff Lund. Um, and like uh, the sheriffs as well, like I, I thought they were fine. Obviously, everyone in this film, I think, ultimately has a role to play. They serve a purpose. Again, as we've been saying throughout this, you're not going to get anything really deeper in there. Um, Evan, you know, he he wants to do well and wants to do the right thing, but Sheriff Lund is like, um, if you hear screaming from Willy's Wonderland, you didn't. Just don't worry about it. It's fine. Um, and then, I suppose with backstory, the only person who really gets a backstory is Liv. Um, yeah. yeah. I think by the time you get it, again, it doesn't really matter um, with her backstory. Um, so obviously right at the start, you see um, two janitors before the janitor um, just to, like an idea of what's been happening for so long. They get torn apart. Yeah. But then as Sheriff Lund says later on, um, like, I pride myself in expecting the unexpected, but they find a little girl. Um, it turns out that's Liv. Uh, Sheriff mm. Lund has been the um, sort of like maternal mother figure yeah. for The her. Guardian, yeah. The Guardian, who's been trying to keep her away, I think, from Willy's Wonderland. Liv's been on this mission her whole life to sort of see it demolished. Um, and taken down, obviously. Um, <laughs> it takes a cage to build and knock a building down. Um, <laughs> so that, That's been her motivation and her motivation throughout the film uh, mm. when you find out she's got this connection to it. Um, again, sort of by the time you get that reveal, um, it's kind of like, oh, okay. And obviously it's, it's, no, it's no detriment to the film. Again, it's not... A, it, this is um, where, <laughs> that, you know, that young person quote, it ain't that deep really comes in. Um, <laughs> like I say, it, it doesn't really matter. It's there. It's fine. Again, if you want backstory, you'll get it. 
but it doesn't it doesn't matter ultimately no. so that's why she's um i also assume the only teen who knows how to fight um because she gets carted away by siren sarah when she gets into the the willy's wonderland but then obviously whatever their scuffle is that happens off camera um and and she ultimately teams up with cage sort of after that but i, sp- I, I suppose with the um the live backstory um would you be of like a similar mindset to say you know again it, it's there or did you think it worked or what was your sort of thoughts on the um on that it's it's fine it's a perfectly fine uh final girl backstory and it is i i believe it's open for a sequel i believe the writer has discussed ideas or you know a chance of making a sequel so I guess it's just a way of opening like well of ideas for a sequel. Mm-hmm. But I think you know, but development of that backstory is just it, like you said, it's just it is there. Like you can enjoy it for what it is, but it's basically just um it's like a side dish, you know. It's just yeah. if you if you wanna you, you know, if you want it, you have it, if you don't like it, then you know, you just pass it on. But you know, I guess, yeah. like I don't, I don't think that they just did it just so they can expand it to a feature film because this is based on a short film. Yes, like this, yeah. I, I remember this is based on a short film, so it it might be like a way of expanding it to a feature link. It might not be, but um, or it might be just like a, an homage to the old school horror films like of the eighties and seventies. It could be like that. But uh, like you said, it is there and it is done in a way that is like almost self-aware because it's just so so well-worn, so so overdone. It's been done so many times where it's almost like a checklist of sorts. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's almost like, yeah, we're thinking, oh, yeah, we're doing exactly like that. We're going to do exactly like in this movie and that movie. That it, it can only be seen as like, like slightly amusing like it, it's it's just it just calls back to the old school ways in such a way that it's i just found it amusing you know it's yeah yeah you know it, it puts the amuse in amusement park um <laughs> I, I, I suppose you know um the big bad as well not to skirt around the final big bad boss uh willie weasel himself um you know that's what this is all leading down to like with live with cage the showdown with willie um now at this point, um, Cage has beaten Siren, Sarah, and Cammy in a handcuffed two-on-one. He's kicked the um, the jukebox. <laughs> He's gone uh, pretty brutally on them. He's a badass. He's uh, snapped. He headbutts Siren, Sarah, snaps her neck with his legs, um, oh, and then yes, he just yes. breaks out of the. Um, uh, I think it's the sort of the, the plastic. Handcuffy thing. Yeah, it's um, like those zip ties. I think it's like zip yes. ties or something. Yeah, um, zip ties. That's the one. Uh, he just breaks out of that, <laughs> snaps Cammy's neck, um, and it, again, just a minor inconvenience. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I sort of love like you, you get to like the time lapse cleaning, cleaning as well. He does it in the bathroom. Um, he does it in like the main hall area. And the number of times, to his credit, that he has a room spotless, and then it's just going to be desecrated with animatronic oil blood again. Mm. Um, 
And then he gets like the big showdown with Willie and he stacks the chairs. He's cleaning the tables down. Willie's knocking stuff left, right and center. He sliced Sheriff Lund in half. Um, she's now in twain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think part of me at that point, because he's dispatched of animatronics so easily, I was kind of expecting it to be the same with Willie. But then I was, I will admit, I was like a little bit surprised when Willie was just sort of like slashing him, slashing him. He could have torn him in half, but I think by that point, Willie's seen his seven underlings get taken out. And he's like, you know what, I'm going to take some time with you. Um, so he's all, he's getting all cut up. He's thrown into the happy birthday button. He's all delirious, thrown into the ball pit. But then we get that, um, you know, it's kind of like, I almost have to call it in action terms the Jean-Claude Van Damme second wind. Um, ah, yes, the second wind. Yes, I understand completely. <laughs> I think me and friends have discussed this. This is like the formula of um, a JCVD film. Um, gets beaten up, gets his second wind, puts on his tightest pair of denim jeans and roundhouse kicks someone for a window. Credits. Um, <laughs> uh, untouchable, unbeatable formula. Um, you know, hand burst through the ball pit. And then he goes to the kitchen, and I thought he was like packing up here because, like, he's taped the, the the mop handle together, putting all these cans of punch in the burlap sack. And I thought, oh, like, is this is this it? He's out. Uh, but no, he's just like a video game character, leveling up, um, leveling up. For, <laughs> for the final boss fight. Um, again, shout out to my partner because she pointed out why didn't you just keep the the sword from Nighty Night earlier in the film? And I was like. Oh, um, good point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I, fair. I got nothing. I got nothing. I assume he binned it. I don't know. Probably threw it out in the bags. <laughs> <laughs> he pr- he probably put it in the bags outside. Um, I'm surprised he didn't put the teenagers in the bags as well. To be honest. Oh, that would have went... been funny just to see that. <laughs> like, like he just like cuts them up into pieces and throws it in his coffee bag along with the others. Now that would have been funny. I would have loved to see that. Oh man! Uh, like if if he just like if he just didn't discriminate at all and is like, I've I've tried to tell you non-verbally, but I've tried to tell you that you're all in the way. And he just throws bags of teen bits in the bin as well. Um, oh. Would would it have made it incredibly darker? Yes, but I think I would have been there for it. Although he does, I think he puts like the gift wrap paper over them and um, to sort of cover them up a little bit. Um, <laughs> although I will say as well, shout out to Warren, played by Christian Del Grosso. He, he's the only person who points out at the start. He sees two or three bagged animatronics. This is sort of before he's stabbed in the back and killed by Nighty Knight. Um, he's the only one that points out that he is hardcore. He sees the bagged animatronics and is like, yeah. this guy's badass. Um, so someone acknowledges it at least um, before he's taken out but uh, yeah the big fight at the end he's slapping him with the burlap sack hitting him with a stick Um, again I think it's just um, reconfirming that he's a badass and he he doesn't need help and he just beats the shit out of Willie before um, you know Mortal Kombat ripping his head off Um, and I thought you know it, it the fight is what it needed to be. Um, Willie Weasel got a few licks in. I suppose I kind of thought that it was going to be a bit more... Um, Climactic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I thought it was going to be a bit more of scale, a bit more back and forth, because you know yeah. the whole film, the 90-minute runtime, is building up to the showdown of Cage versus the Weasel. So, I mean, again, I wasn't 
disappointed by it. Uh, I'd say I probably expected it to be a bit more than what it was. Um, yeah. I don't know if that was similar for you. No, I, I can say that too. But uh, yeah, like I said, it is quite modest. I, it could be a budget thing. Like I don't necessarily, you know, blame them for like budget problems all that much. So it might have been a budget thing, I guess. Yeah, mm. but uh, on a side note, I especially love the use of the music head, shoulders, knees, and toes. <laughs> like, I heard yes. that. I was like, yes. I haven't heard this <laughs> song in a long time. And I thought, oh my God, when, when he's handcuffed and fighting the, two, fighting the two characters, I was like, yes, that is perfect. That, like, I love that song. That's like Especially that yeah. shot where where they cut back from um, Liv fighting the turtle back to K- Cage and like the camera's like on the left and it pans to the right. <laughs> yes. Right. And then Cage is like on his knees, like basically sitting over bloody, um, what was it? Si- um, Siren. Siren's head. Yeah. 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 Siren's head. I thought, what the hell is he doing? Because <laughs> he, scre- he hears screaming, right? But you don't know why Why the, the character is screaming. Like, what the hell is Cage doing to this poor <laughs> <laughs> it's it's arguably the only time you feel sympathy um, for the animatronics. I suppose other than Tito being hit in the balls as well. You're like, come on, uh, come on, Liv, he's done, he's finished, he's yeah, out. It's, it's like um, no mass, no mass. <laughs> it's like no mass, no mass. Yeah, <laughs> like the, the, uh, the voice distortion of the thing. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, that being said, though, actually, a great point: the head, shoulders, knees, and toes. I, I will say I've really enjoyed the score on this one as well. Um, it, it's just, I think there's something about making those um, very innocent uh, children's songs and just putting them in a like a horror, creepy context that yeah. just kind of works. Um, I, I suppose especially with um, <laughs> Kate just headbutting animatronics, head, shoulders, knees, toes, headbutt. Um and of course, the the main sort of Willy Weasel, um, like it's your birthday, <laughs> which which I'm going to be honest, that stuck in my head for a few days. Yeah, um, yeah, me too, actually. <laughs> I, I saw the was... trailer; it's just in my head the whole time. <laughs> I mean, like, there's there's a lot of details to like really enjoy. I think there's a lot of great camera work, a lot of, um, I mean, I suppose as silly as it was and was always going to be the fight with Gus in the bathroom when he bursts out of the um the cubicle plunges plunges his uh word plunger in the face of Gus <laughs> and he's got that sort of um almost like that GoPro shot like looking up yeah, from underneath the them as they right. as they're tussling hmm. um and even though you know again probably budgetary reasons it's obviously a guy in a suit or whatever and then they're they're rolling around having a fight and Gus gets curb stomped into the urinal um <laughs> Like the time lapse stuff, a lot of the shots, like the colors, sort of the dark colors they use, the score. Like, there's a lot of stuff that makes this really work as well. The score by, um, and hopefully I'm pronouncing this correctly, like Imoi, uh, uh, Imoi, uh, I think it is. Um, I think it's French, they, so it's like probably Imoi or something. I think it's oh like man. French. Imoi. I seems. Yeah. <laughs> you've made me seem so basic in one fell swoop. Oh, it's, like sorry, it's, actually... it's, just, it's just a suggestion, man. <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually M. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Harris is cancelled. Um, 
No, no, like it, it's it, no all good. It probably is actually looking at it now, um, but yeah, great, great score. Um, um, again, obviously the the Willy Weasel fight, uh, maybe for budgetary reasons, as we were saying, I was hoping to be a bit more climactic, but fine. But obviously, if we're going to talk about score, the big ending where morning has come, Willy's Wonderland is clean, and um, Cage leaves triumphantly as fucking Freebird is playing um <laughs> like it's kind of like what other songs could they have used i mean is freebird an obvious choice probably i i fucking loved it though i thought it was great um when freebird starts playing you know we're in the last two three minutes of the film before credits here freebird is playing cage cranks it up on the chevrolet as him and Liv drive away um how did you feel as freebird starts playing I thought that was just funny, but the, the thing that made me laugh the most about that movie is the look on the mechanic and the owner's face. Like, <laughs> see, Cage has survived somehow. Like, like freshly clean, he's still in clean clothes as if barely anything happened. It's like, <laughs> what the, how the hell would that even work? And then, and then in, in retrospect, they're like, oh yeah, he's killed all the animatronics. It's like, he's he's done the best thing that he's ever happened for us. And it's like, <laughs> like, wow, maybe I really can fix this park. Maybe I can actually open this park again. Like, yeah. legit. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the typical horror kill happens. Like, oh my God, something happened from behind in the car. And this is like, oh yeah, they're all fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's that look. It's like, he's still alive. It's like, ah, we're going to reopen this as Texas Turf. And they're like, yeah, I think it's that's a good idea. Texas I think Turf. It's, the, it's like, yeah, we've got six dead bodies and all of that, but that's, you know, that's a tomorrow problem right now. Blueprints, ideas, branding. Um, and then, as you said, the classic um, horror back of the car, Siren Sarah pops up. She's crawled out of the bin bags. Um, sets the car on fire and it explodes um, and then she sort of flies off screen so I suppose when we're sort of touching upon potential sequels um, Siren Sarah could well still be alive um, mm. you, you know she is as the old saying goes taking a licking, kept on kicking um, <laughs> she's been punched and knocked out head but it had a neck snapped it's possibly survived an explosion um, so if anyone's going to come back potentially um siren sarah um but i think you know obviously with that said free bird is playing um that cage bird is never going to change just like the free bird he's eight punches down four or five shirt changes uh him and live going off to the next adventure um because i suppose at that point if you were live why wouldn't you uh, your family's dead uh willie's wonderland that problem sorted itself out um Although, as Geo Parsons sort of described the last battle at the end, he said, Luke Skywalker versus Darth Vader, Batman versus yes, Joker, yes, the janitor versus Willy. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the end of Willy Weasel. Their their adventures continue. Um, and I suppose as we sort of looked, look to wrap up this episode as well, um, I suppose with the Jerry Springer final thought, like Harris, I suppose, what were your... Um, Final thoughts, final takeaways on um on Willy's Wonderland. I, I thought it was a fun film. Uh, I thought it was surprising to see Nicolas Cage in a dialogue-free role. 
I thought that it did exactly what it promised in the trailer. It, and I'll be honest, it was maybe a bit modest in what it is. It, it may not have helped because I did watch Prisoners of the Ghostland as the last Nicolas Cage movie before this. <laughs> so that probably didn't help much, you know. And uh, I'm not going to talk about Prisoners of the Ghostland. That's probably for Very jealous, mind. by the way. Inaccessible in the UK. All right. All right. You haven't seen it. Okay. So yeah. I, I shouldn't say anything then. <laughs> I mean, I, I have seen one clip where he screams, Tester Carl! Um, what, and that's there's, there's, his... a, there's a clip. I don't think officially. Um, oh right! I think it's it's it's. I use air quotes. Unofficially done the rounds on Twitter. So I have seen screaming about a testicle. I am aware there are bomb testicles. That's as much as I know. But I'm in. That's I'm invested. The, that's the tip of the iceberg of that movie. That <laughs> yeah, it is true. He does scream testicles <laughs> more than once. <laughs> oh, chef's kiss. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, but um, yeah. Um, it is exactly what it is. It's it's a horror comedy. It's fun. It's like you 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 enjoy the time you spent with it, and that's basically it. And as for Nicolas Cage movies, this is like one out of like four or five that's coming out this year. Especially, especially even during like working in COVID conditions, conditions, he still has like four or five films coming out in one year. Genuinely incredible turnaround. Mm. Obviously, officially, Willy's Wonderland, the first release this year. Prisoners of the Ghostland later this year, but has already debuted at Sundance. <laughs> Thanks for making it available in the UK, Sundance. Um, the unbearable weight of massive talent later this year. Uh, Pig as well. Um, so, you know, COVID be damned. Um, you cannot stop this man from working. You will not stop this man from working. Um I guess five, if you count the history of swear words that came out on Netflix ah, in yes, January yep, as yep. well. Yep. Um, also, oh, lovely bit of cage if you want a slice of that hotness, and I do. Um, <laughs> but, but, but like you said, um, I think to Judge Bunny, perhaps a bit modest again. I think, as I've said earlier, this isn't a film with deeper meaning. There isn't something to read between the lines of. This is exactly what it advertises itself as. It's Nicolas Cage versus animatronics. A lot of the horror tropes in here that you've seen before, but given a sort of... Um, uh, and, and and actually, we've, we've managed to avoid the obvious comparison that the Five Nights at Freddy's, obviously the easiest comparison. Um, obviously, who knows it, as and when we'll ever see that film, because I think it's been in production hell for years now. Hmm. Um, I think it got announced a while ago, but nothing's happened with it. Your loss, Cage got there first, you're losers. Um, <laughs> it's it's an easy comparison to make, but I think I don't think these two films are going to be anything alike ultimately. Um, but it is again, it is what it says it is. It's a lot of fun. Um, if you just take it at face value, you don't question it. I think you're going to enjoy it. Um, I think Cage having no dialogue really worked for me. We knew as much about Cage and his character as we need to know, um, and ultimately. I, I think you're going to come out of it enjoying it. You know, is it a perfect film? It, it doesn't claim to be. Um, but, and this is something I always forget to do on this podcast. I always like rate um, a bronze, silver, or golden cage for films. He never gets anything less than a podium finish. Um, and, <laughs> and I think because we get some of the cageisms there. And I think, like we touched upon, it always helps when a film and cage can meet each other and one's not trying to 
out crazy the other. Um, I think there's a lot of people saying like this is the craziest Cage film. I think in the context of the film, it works. This is Cage craziness that is deserved. Um, so I'm I'm gonna whack on it a golden cage. My rating system means nothing, by the way. Um, <laughs> it's just like the points and whose line is it anyway? They mean nothing. Um, but I enjoyed it. Um, hopefully you'll enjoy it. As of this recording and release, the film is available. Um, pretty much from video on demand all over the shop. I believe the Blu-ray DVD is coming out in April. So go see it, support it. It's an independent film. It's a good bit of fun. Um, and for no reason at all, as I like to say in this podcast, fuck Daniel Day-Lewis for taking the Oscar away from him in 2002. Gotta get that in there, just so people know where I stand. Uh, but on on that completely unnecessarily aggressive bombshell ending... Um, Harris Dang, obviously, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. I should point out, um, I'm recording this at um, 11, 12 in the morning. For, for Harris, it's like 11, uh, 10, 12, at, 11 at night where you are. Um, yeah, it's 11 at night right now. Yeah. Um, you've taken a big hit for me, um, and I will forever be in your debt. Um, <laughs> but with that said, on the social medias, uh, where can we find you? Uh, I'm basically just on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Filmomatic. I really should change it soon. That way, it's hard to pronounce. <laughs> it's even harder to spell. I should really change it to something else. But yeah, it's Filmomatic. So it's film and then M O M A T I C on Twitter. That's my Twitter handle. Wonderful. And that will be in the description down below. So uh, please go and say hi to Harris and, and thank him because he's probably a sleepy, sleepy man um, at this point as well. Uh, but wrapping things up again, thank you so much, Harris, for joining me. It's been really fun to talk about Willy's Wonderland with you. We will see you um, next week. We're back on track. We're back to um, regularly scheduled programming as we'll be talking about Matchstick Men next week. And um, it's, it's a good one. I'm joined by Stuart Laws. Uh, but until then, you take care of yourselves. And of course, keep on, keep on caging. It's all you have to do. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.